the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Spot Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sylvester, joined by Paul Peck and Mike Gennetti. We are practicing safe social distancing. That's pretty much all we're going to say about. We're going to be corona-free the rest of the way uh, when it comes to this. And I want to remind you that we're brought to you by The Athletic. And you're going to say, well, The Athletic, they don't have any sports to write. Their writing's been awesome uh, during this time. Some great creative stuff on TheAthletic.com. In-depth pieces. Make sure you check them out. Join today. And we'll tell you about a great offer we have for you later on here in the show from TheAthletic.com. Uh, we've got a lot of football to talk about, Mike. So many things uh, that have gone on and so many contracts, certainly, to talk about uh, the winners and losers. So let's first start with Tom Brady. He finally landed, and he's a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Yeah, I mean, I've given my two cents a little bit, so I'm, I'm kind of looking back to you guys to say, you know, this was obviously one of the options, Um and from a roster standpoint, I think it was tied for the best option. I think the Chargers have or had a roster that was comparable from an offensive weapon standpoint. Uh, I totally get this. He stays on the East Coast. Uh, they clearly courted him well. I don't know if you've read a couple of these articles that broke down the, the path that it took to get Brady to Tampa Bay. It's a really nice back and forth, and, and Brady was involved. But he, he wasn't a drama king about this. I, I think a lot of people were concerned that he was going to be you know, high demand. This is his first time in the free agent market. What, what's it going to take to get a guy like this in? It was pretty, pretty off the cuff. It was, uh, I just want to get acclimated with this team. I, I know I realize that's going to be a challenge. I'm not going to take top money. I'm going to take, you know, the exact money that Breeze and Rivers are asking for. It's, to me, it's just a great scenario. And it's hard to, to find any holes in it outside of the fact that it's Tampa Bay, right? Well, uh, yeah, Paul, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on, you know, Tampa, Tampa Bay, Tom Brady. I mean, that's the only, I mean, the TB, I get it, but go ahead. <laughs> he didn't think that way. He thought the way Mike talked about was he looked at the weapons. I don't, I don't, you know, location clearly was part of it. He's already come out and said he wanted to be on the East coast for family reasons, but I don't know that he cared that it was Tampa Bay. He was more intrigued by OJ Howard, Cameron Brait, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. And I thought it was interesting. I don't know if it was Peter King that, that pointed it out, um, but the connections through to Peyton Manning, I thought, were very interesting. Um, you know, from Tom Moore and his quarterbacks coach and Arians, you know, and then we know Brady has a relationship with Peyton Manning. Don't you think those guys talked at one point where he said, how do I do this? How do I go uh, as an older quarterback to a new place? So, you know, and, I, and and let's be honest with you, I think this bottom line is he, he the reason he left New England was he either didn't feel appreciated or just got tired of being around Bill Belichick and the way he ran his system. Could there be a more opposite guy that he's going to play for than Bruce Arians? Uh, no, yeah, Bruce Arians is a very um... – uh, is, is relaxed the right word? I just think of that piece he did uh, with, with Andrew Kramer where hey, every night I'll be uh, by the pool having a cocktail. This is when he, <laughs> um, in a coaching different. I've, I've met Bruce once at the Phoenix Open. Great guy. I mean, just an, an engaging person. Somebody you want to be around. There's no question about that when it comes to Bruce Arians. I, I mean, I was with him for like 20 minutes, and I'm like, this guy is awesome. Like, I want to be around this guy. I've been around Bill Belichick before I had a golf outing. The exact opposite. It was like, get away from me. I don't, I, you know, and he just won a Super Bowl. Uh, I'm, uh, so yeah, I, I could totally see that part. I still think there's the, the, 
the, the romanticism of newness, right? I mean, uh, most people listening, you probably have uh, been, been recruited for a job or changed jobs and talking. People bought a job, and you go and like you, you start picturing yourself there. And it's like, man, this is going to be going to be awesome. Usually, the grass is not greener uh, on the other side, um, but especially at his age too. I mean, how much greener can the grass be in Tampa? He's a he's regarded as the greatest quarterback ever, and I think that's what makes this odd. Um, and it, he wasn't cut. He decided to go free agency, and he's so sought after. Um, and yeah, he gets a destination in Tampa. Let's not forget, you know, finance has got to come into this a little bit here. And I'm not talking about with New England, but with Tampa, he gets all that money state tax free, Mike. That's right. I mean, yeah, that's right. It's 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 more money on paper than he's ever made in New England in a year. And of course, you lose the five percent state tax, so it's all good in terms of the finances. He didn't have to go, you know, thirty-five million a year like some thought he would. How many teams do you think actually courted him? We, I know, I know Vegas did for sure. I'm sure the Chargers at least asked about him, although they they seemed completely out on veteran quarterbacks. So it might have been a soft ask just to see if they had a chance. Did, did anybody else even try? I, think, like Tennessee in, was I think Indy, Indy may have at some point thought about it, and maybe Tennessee did as well too. Yeah, I, I just don't think there was a, a line for Tom Brady. Is my point. I, I agree with you, Mike. I think it was probably three teams, uh, whether Indy was uh, one of them there. I think there were three teams, and I think the Patriots were one of them. Do you, do you think the Patriots are, and this is going to sound funny, but do you think they're relieved uh, to a certain degree? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. This, this is a, a get-out-of-jail-free card. <laughs> you get to not pay the 43-year-old $30 million or, or $28 million, whatever their offer was. And uh, they get to do it their way for at least a year. Uh, we can talk about what that year is going to be. <laughs> I, I, I think it might already be solidified. Uh, I don't expect them to go and, and take a quarterback this year. I think they have to. They have to give Jared Stidham his due diligence. And if he loses in, in you know in a camp battle to Brian Hoyer, then we know everything we need to know. And twenty twenty one will be a big year for New England. But uh, they're, they're the. We're going to talk about it. They're the second lowest costing quarterback arsenal in football right now uh they were never the highest obviously because brady never took top dollar but that's how far they've fallen here they're giving brian hoyer a veteran minimum and jared Stidham's on a crazy crazy low rookie contract right now so it's that you know they're going from about c to to y in terms of quarterback money and i think they're very happy about it I said to Kevin uh, the other day, we were talking about this, and, and I know the world wants to write off the Patriots and yeah. assume they're going to be give everybody else the division title. I said, I think we're all making a big mistake if we write off the Patriots, if there's not a lesson that we've learned and we could go right back to 2001 when nobody knew who Tom Brady was as a sixth-round draft pick and just assumed uh, that that was another disastrous decision. Maybe Jarrett Stidham is exactly the next coming of, a, of I don't want to say next coming of Brady, but of a next really good NFL player. And Bill Belichick is still Bill Belichick. And ultimately, we're going to find out whether this was more Belichick than it was Brady. But I think if it's 50-50, you're making a mistake in thinking the Patriots are going to plummet to the bottom of the NFL. I don't think they're going to plummet to the bottom of the NFL, but I wrote them off, Mike. I, I, I just don't. I, their defense will be good, but offensively, what did they have last year without Brady? And uh, when Paul and I talked the other day, he, Paul made a great point. 
that's shocking to everybody, but I'm kidding, Paul. I, you know, listen, we're not, listen, we're socially distant. I got to take some jabs uh, to have some okay. fun here. Uh, no, but Paul made a great point on the uh, Stefan Diggs trade from Minnesota to Buffalo. If New England was in on Stefan Diggs, which was reported, and, and they got Stefan Diggs, does Tom Brady stay with the New England no. Patriots? No. No, that was that, that's, an, that's an upgrade to their roster, no matter who the quarterback is, is the way I look at that. That's just something that they, they, they needed. They, they just clearly need it. They, they still need it. But that uh, wasn't so, the kind of weapon that Brady was waiting to see them in, increase, or you think the decision had already been made by then? Do, do you guys think that's enough? Uh, it, 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 it's a start, yeah. right? Yeah. The start ain't good enough at 43. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, but isn't that what Tom wanted? Isn't Tom Ultimately, did this come down to, to how can I best succeed and I can best succeed when I have my best level of weapons around me? Is that why he's in Tampa Bay and why he's not in New England? I guess I'm simplifying it. Even with Stefan Diggs on that roster, and I can compare it to Tampa Bay, it's still apples and oranges to me. I mean, Tampa Bay, that, that's now an experienced set of weapons. Not only are they they all skilled, but they all kind of know what they're doing and they know the Aryan system. So now it's just a matter of Brady figuring it out, which he's got a whole summer to sit in the house in too. I mean, uh, I, I, I think it's all going to work out pretty well. Well, so there's another reason um, why I don't think the Patriots – maybe that good offensively because if they can't have many camps uh, mm-hmm. with draft picks uh, and, and they get stibbed in the reps and who knows what training camp's going to look like, um, they'll, they'll, I think they'll play the season, uh, but it, things may be truncated here, and I think that favors the more experienced teams uh, when it comes to offense until maybe there's a catch-up there. I do want to ask this question. Is Tampa – we just saw the Rams, and we, we have other free agency things to talk about here. Um, the Rams just changed their logo and uniform, which I happen to like. I think they did a nice job with it, uh, the L.A. Rams. But Tampa Bay's got to change. they got to go back to the old uniform. I mean, you've got Well, the, they are changing. We don't know to what, Yes, though. of course they're changing because those things are terrible. You can't put Tom Brady in whatever that is. Pewter? Pewter? Even just go back to the old... Um, uh, Mike Allstott uh, era. Those those were better. The helmets I'm fine with, but those uh, modern those jerseys they have now, eh. The new stuff, you, you, the old you're stuff. You're really like, ready to see Tom Brady in the creamsicle uniforms? No, but I know I'm saying if they went back to when they when they won the Super Bowl, uh, those were at least decent. They they have this. You know, Mike, you know what I'm talking about, right? I do. Yeah, yeah. I do. And, and and they're gonna. I mean, there's been so many jersey orders already for Brady. Are they going to switch this thing halfway through and make people buy a second jersey? Of course they are. Well, <laughs> yeah, of course they are. Why not? I got some. I got some future odds here while you guys were talking. Uh, NFC South Saints were still a favorite, as they should be. They got they got better. There's no question. Tampa Bay's next. Tampa Bay's next. Uh, Carolina's w- very far away. Do they feel sure. that far away? They're rebuilding. They're they're dramatically rebuilding, aren't they? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, Paul. I, you know, with they, a brand new coach with a completely different approach and system, and the college impact and a new quarterback. I, I think they're. I think that's. There's no question. They're in a multiple year rebuilding plan. In Carolina. I, I love. Okay. I love McCaffrey though. I they've got such a just a weapon in him. Um, we'll have to yeah. see. Um, you know the interesting thing about this. One, this is my final, final, final thing on Brady. Instead, interesting that he went to a team in a division where they're not the favorites. Yeah. By the way, New England's still the favorite in the AFC East. Odds on 
as I think they should be for now. Until they lose it, right? Right, correct. All right, let's uh, let's talk about uh, some other. Uh, so that was the best signing uh, of free agency. I mean, you get the best quarterback ever who who still uh, can play. But how about another signing and is in the same division as the New Orleans Saints? Mike, you alluded to it. The Saints got better. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders and that contract. Yeah, this one kind of came out of nowhere. I had a couple of teams lined up for him, uh, and I didn't have New Orleans on that radar just because, and, and I should have learned. They're just always up against the cap. I mean, they restructure four to five players every year just to fit in their own arsenal. And it's really hard to see them bringing in any kind of talent of this level in the middle of March. But they did it. I haven't seen the structure yet, so I don't know exactly how much is fully guaranteed. My guess is at least half because that's what it'll be for the first year. So two years, $16 million. You're getting an $8 million per year player in Emmanuel Sanders, who's going to be the second, maybe the third best option on that roster when you're talking about Michael Thomas and then – Traycon Smith, who I think everybody thinks will take a step forward again in 2020. It's just perfect. It's it's another toy for Drew Brees to play with in a, in a year when they're going to have to score some points because that, that division as a whole is just going to score a ton of points. I, you know, I think that's a lot of that is Manuel Sanders saying, this is where I want to go finish my career. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm tired of playing with bad, young, inexperienced quarterbacks. Go go get me to a guy where even as the number two option, I'm probably going to catch 70 passes. Uh, you know, what? You know, did he take less? Looks like he took less money to be able to do that. But again, that that's where I think you're starting to see some of these guys who have made their money looking to finish their career in places where they can be the most successful, either personally or on a team front or maybe a combination of both. All right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Well, he definitely has a better quarterback uh, throwing the football to him in, in Drew Brees. Another uh, 40-year-old, no surprise he resigned with the Saints there making that decision. All right, let's talk about the worst move in free agency. And, I mean, this is just uh, uh, incredible. Uh, people in Houston – uh, we're sorry. I don't know what, what was Bill O'Brien doing with the DeAndre. I mean, you, you trade a guy who, if not the best hands in football, second best hands to Michael Thomas, to the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and Kyler Murray must be like through the moon right now to have DeAndre Hopkins to throw the football to. Um, for David Johnson, like what? I know there's some picks exchanged here, Mike, but this just doesn't make any sense. Now it sounds like the classic Bill O'Brien temper tantrum that uh, it, whether it's contractually or just from a personal standpoint, there was some kind of rift between the two, uh, maybe probably both on both fronts, but he shipped them out about as quickly as he, as he hung up the phone. I, I, I have to imagine there were better offers. I have to. Huh. Now, clearly they needed a running back, so fine, but you didn't need a, an $11 million running back who was the third best running back on his current team. I, I mean, they, they absolutely bailed Arizona out here is the way to look at this. They bailed them out for a second-round pick, in my opinion. And I, and I just don't, I don't understand the logic. You've got Deshaun Watson taking to Twitter basically saying, I don't know what the heck is going on. <laughs> I mean, that's not a good look for your quarterback to be publicly saying, you know, uh, he's not saying I don't want to be here, but he's saying, I, I don't understand the process that our team is taking, essentially, because this is the second, the second big piece to be shipped out. I mean, this is a team that could have given – Javian Clowney, a nice contract. It wasn't going to have to be a top of the market. He's still not signed, you guys. Okay, He's still not signed a year and a half later. So there's no chance that Javian Clowney needed $20 million last year. He just didn't. Uh, you could have had that piece along with a good defensive structure to go with it. 
And you, you can have DeAndre Hopkins. You, you're missing one, one point I want to touch on here with uh, the Arizona move. Not only does he go to Arizona and he becomes another toy for Kyler Murray, speaking of toys, he gets Larry Fitzgerald to mentor him for a year and, and tell him how to take the next step and, and become the consummate pro and become the actual you know, veteran receiver that this Arizona team is going to need for the next eight years. I, I, can't, I can't imagine a scenario where DeAndre Hopkins isn't here for the rest of his career. It's, it's the absolute perfect fit in, in, an, in an air attack system, and he's going to have one of the greatest mentors in the history of football. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul's all choked up about a, it. <laughs> <laughs> there's a great uh, breakdown of this trade uh, written by Albert Breer in his Monday morning uh, quarterback piece yesterday. And um, what, it, what it did for me was give me a little bit of insight into how NFL – teams sometimes think now all that said personally i'll tell you it was a crazy trade um i was always taught long ago you don't get rid of your good players and what they did was get rid of maybe their best player but mike and you'll understand this as well as anybody uh the points that were laid out were that hopkins wanted 20 million a year and they didn't feel comfortable giving it to him they were worried that even though he had three years left in his contract he was going to hold out and they didn't want to deal with that and they didn't want the distraction and that's why the return wasn't as much as everybody expected it would be because of his contract situation, which is almost always why those happen. When people are like, how come they didn't get more? Why did the Bills give up a first-round pick for Diggs? Well, because he's under contract for three more years at $11 million a year, and he, Hopkins was a guy who was potentially going to be a problem if they didn't give him $20 million a year, which they couldn't give him because they still got to sign Tunsil and they got to sign Watson. So – so those points I thought were very interesting in giving you an insight into why they made the trade. Um, could they have figured out a way to get around it? Possibly. But Bill O'Brien's a Belichick guy, and there's always a hard line, bottom line, and if you don't like it, I'm going to get rid of you attitude. Problem is he doesn't have Belichick's rings to back fall back on. You know, the other thing I, I may add, and I, he, this is where having – we have a few teams in the situation, and a lot of head coaches wield most, you know, uh, say here, right? I mean, a lot of say, even if they have a general manager above him. But with Bill O'Brien, uh, coach and GM here, like, you know, he, there's nobody above him except for the owner uh, to block these things, right? So uh, it, at least other teams may have a personnel director that's uh, equal waiting here. This just seemed to be a rash, quick decision on this, and yes, everybody around the league was thinking, well, they gave up, uh, they, they got too little in return for a player of DeAndre Hopkins' caliber. Money, money, I, yeah, I get the money part of it, but yeah, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, Paul, I'm going to push back on, on you, and I, I've read it a lot as well. I, I think uh, I, I think the fi the contract was, was definitely a part of this. I've got two points to make on it. You, you hit the nail on the head. There's three years left in that contract. Any GM with a brain or head coach slash GM with a brain knows we're not even talking until there's a, there's a minimum two, maximum two, I should say. Okay, so this what this conversation about a contract doesn't happen until next offseason, minimum. Uh, and and two, second point, there are worse ways to spend your money in a, in a cap that's growing exponentially than a quarterback, a wide receiver one, and a left tackle. So if those are the guys you got to sign, boo-hoo, do it, right? Do it. 
Oh, I don't disagree with you. I, I don't because I don't. I didn't like the movie either. I'm just trying to help people understand why they, they there is an under. You know, like I can't believe they did that. Well, here's what their thinking was. You know, and again, and there was points brought up in that article about his practice habits and stuff. And you're like, so what? He's a star player. Figure it out. Make it work. There are star players on every team in the league that have a, operate under different rules than everybody else does. To me, this was too much power for O'Brien operating under the Belichick method, trying to be the, the czar of the Texans when he doesn't have the, 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 the juice or maybe even the smarts and brains to do it. Um, I didn't understand it at all. Uh, you know, to me, Mike, they, they probably got Johnson just because that's what Arizona said. You got to take this guy out our hands right you know i mean this sounded to me like it was more of a desperate houston team that was looking for anybody to get rid of hopkins and would take anything back the other way not not the teams that wanted him are we even talking about this like this if, if there's a first round pick included though to me that's the problem yes i i agree you, you, you lost deandre hopkins you took on david johnson and you didn't get a first round pick i mean i mean the browns got a second round pick for brock osweiler paul <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get you. I get you. Um, clearly, there wasn't anybody offering anything like that. Mostly, likely because of the money situation. All right, let's talk about let's talk about uh, another contract that had people scratching their heads. Um, Mel Gordon, uh, Melvin Gordon to the Broncos for quite a bit of money guaranteed here. Two years, sixteen million, but thirteen and a half a million of that is fully guaranteed. And, Mike, he's not even the best running back on the Broncos roster right now. No, I mean, that's arguable. Uh, I understand he's a heck of a I'd argue with that. At times, at times. But he, here's the reason I, I put this in the notes. Wouldn't you rather take wouldn't, – wouldn't you take Philip Lindsay at $700,000 over Melvin Gordon, $13.5 million any day and twice on Sunday? Yes. That, that's just, automatic yes. That's just business. That's just business right or now. Or somebody so, else, anybody, any other mid-round draft pick. How much have we talked about this exactly, when it comes to running back? Exactly. You, if you, if the goal here was to was to add a piece to Philip Lindsay, this was the the most expensive piece you could find. <laughs> this was this was not the way to go. Outside of giving an offer sheet to Derrick Henry, this was the the most expensive move you could make at the running back position this offseason. I don't understand why this team did it. I do understand why Melvin Gordon did it, by the way. So you're telling me I, got, I, I get $13.5 million guaranteed and I have, to, I have to work about 60% of the time? This is, this is great. This is great. Even if he's the featured back. Which, which he will I, be at some he, point. But it won't be, it won't be 70-30. You know what I mean? He's gonna, uh, Philip Lizzie is going to get his carries and he's going to get his, his receptions. Melvin Gordon's numbers, numbers production will never hold up to this contract. Never. I'll tell you what, in seeing this one and seeing what happened with Gurley, all that stuff that we've been talking about with running backs for the last years is entirely true. It's yep. all come true. And and again, I, I don't know why anybody would invest in any running back at any point ever again. And I invest by, I mean, a first-round pick, a multiple-year contract, a big money deal. There's just it makes no sense, Mike. And when is the rest of the league going to figure all that out? Yeah, look, Austin Eckler, his old teammate on his old team, got about the same thirteen seven, actually thirteen point seven guarantee over the next two years. Austin Eckler is also twenty four and was out producing Melvin Gordon. So the fact that he went out to a division foe and got the exact same amount of guaranteed money to, to me that's part of it. 
that's a part of it. There's there's a spite. This is a spite signing to some degree, right? Because like, oh, that stuff happens. That stuff happens, right? I mean, Denver's looking at yeah. this saying, we're going to punch these guys back in the face with their own player. But uh, I cannot. Here, here's the here's the reason I bring it up. There's no chance that another team was offering this. There's no chance. I know that somebody floated out that the Bills were offering more. Guess who probably floated that out? Denver. Because yeah. Denver, Denver looks the awful agent. right now. Awful. Yes. No, it was Denver because the only people I saw reporting that was the Denver beat. Right. Yes. Yeah. The Denver beat writer. So and Adam Schefter had to refute it. Yes. I, I, Adam I, Schefter I, doesn't refute anything. I, I enjoyed that on Twitter. Um, that was yeah. interesting. I'm told different. Well, okay. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> Adam Sheffer usually gets it right from the horse's mouth, and I'm not That's saying right. I'm not saying the other reporter doesn't. You know, I'm not saying the other reporter wasn't told whatever. But I think you're right. It came from Denver to kind of justify the money they put into it when yeah. nobody else was offering there. It's like when you it's like when you buy a car, right? And you, yeah, I see you got the same car, Mike. And uh, hey, what'd you get? Uh, oh yeah, I uh, I paid that too. Uh, <laughs> and you got running boards? Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, I don't have the same car as you. Hey, I want to get this in here real quick. Speaking of paying money, it seems like the perfect time to save you some money. Uh, Theathletic.com coverage on all your teams, all the sports. Again, some great creative writing and stuff going on right now at the Athletic. Dot com with all the experts and, and analytics gurus and team executives. Uh, join today. Get 40% off your subscription by going to theathletic.com slash track 40 off That's theathletic.com, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, 40 off. And, again, you're looking to read some great stuff, theathletic.com, the place to go for that. Um, let's, uh, let's look at some structured contracts. The Giants and Raiders, they didn't do signing bonuses. Um, and doing front-loaded uh, cash here. Explain, Mike. Yeah, we, we've talked about this a bit, especially last year with San Francisco and how in doing that, uh, you know, after year two, sometimes in year two, you get, you get incredible value with your signings. If you've got a multi-year contract and you front-load without a signing bonus, what does that mean? It means no dead cap push down, down the way. Uh, so if you believe in your signings and they're not crazy long-term, five, six-year deals, which we're not seeing at all in free agency, there's maybe two or three five-year deals, and that's it right now. Uh, then you can get away with the structure as long as it works on the field. Um, I'm not sure many of us think the Giants and Raiders are going are to be contending in the next two years. But look, a lot of us didn't think San Francisco was going to either. They, they turned it around in, in a year and a half, essentially. Uh, so we'll see. This could this could really benefit them. It's it's just a smarter way to structure your contract if you've got the capital space to do it. Take it all right now and give yourself another window if you have to open up a new one in three years. Um, so you can look at it two ways. Number one, they believe in themselves and, and they want to give themselves value in two years. Or number two, they don't believe in themselves and they want to get all of this out, out of the way in the first year so that they can redo it all again next year if they have to. I think we didn't we didn't we see this trend start to happen when San Francisco signed Garoppolo. We've talked a lot about yeah. the teams have all this cap room with almost no way to fill it. So the smart way is, well, fill it while we can fill it now. Is that is that what's going on? And I just wanted to ask you what other sort of global trends you saw through this run of free agency and the way teams are operating or approaching contracts and things. Yeah, the, the, the potential out attribute on spot track is really important right now. It's basically where I, where I draw a line in, in a contract to say, the team can get out pretty easily at this point. And if you look at these free agent contracts, yes, they're shorter, but 
three-year contracts often are one-year contracts. And when you start to look at the cash flow, what you're seeing are just kind of a string of franchise tags being thrown out, right, for these good players. Uh, you're bringing in guys, sometimes it's under franchise tag value, many times it is. Uh, that's essentially how teams are operating. They're making these three-year deals look nice. Maybe there's a little bit of money guaranteed in the second year. But for the most part, it's how much money do you need in year one? The rest of it is going to be on us to figure it out. That's what players and agents are agreeing to right now. I'm all for it. I'm all for it because it means more movement, more more player control. Yes, there's not going to be you know guaranteed money in hands at the start of it all. That's coming down, but it, it's great. And I have to throw Kirk Cousins into this conversation as well. I had a, a great uh, Twitter Twitter conversation with his agent again. We had him on the show the last time he signed Kirk Cousins. We'll try to get him back on in a couple of weeks when things die down again. Uh, he's thrilled with how the Minnesota Vikings are handling Kirk Cousins. He's uh, basically this was part of the agreement, right? We're going we're gonna to give him out a three-year deal two years ago with the notion that as long as everything goes well, we'll do this again in two years, which was to, you know this this month, and we're just going to do it all again. He basically he got a ninety-nine point nine percent fully guaranteed two-year extension. This is how it should work, especially with the quarterback position that is becoming as stagnant as anybody. Let's just keep rolling this thing over. Let's keep things short and sweet. And if we have to give ourselves an out, we get one. Uh, the, the fact that more and more teams are operating under this structure makes me happy, and I think probably makes agents happy as well. I was going to say, it, it probably makes the players happy too because they can they know exactly what they're going to get. Uh, the, the good agents will explain it to them. Hey, look, this is really a two-year deal. This is the money, and then after two years, we're going to redo this or we're going to go somewhere else. That's the deal. It's the anti-DeAndre hopkins Stefan Diggs situation. The reason they're miserable is because they signed five-year extensions that, that were actually seven-year contracts, and they're in the middle of them right now. And they're, they're $10 million under value. They're, literally, they're $10 million under value right now, and that's their fault. They signed those contracts, and that's why the teams have to push back and say, I'm sorry. But you guys agreed to this long-term deal, and we can't even talk about it until next year. Diggs, Diggs is two years out. Diggs has four years left on that deal. I, I'm not even. I'm not even picking up the phone for Stefan Diggs right now. But by but in trading for Stefan Diggs and trading for DeAndre Hopkins, Paul, don't you think the Bills and Cardinals, uh, you know, they're prepared to have that conversation, or else why would you acquire the guy if you know that's why he's available? Um, this happens all the time when they acquire something. Yeah. Hey, hey, Kevin, every team thinks differently. You know, we just talked about how the Texans think. Not every team thinks that way. Um, you know, maybe the Bills and the uh, Cardinals are willing to pay their best wide receiver $20 million a year, and they're not, they're not going to put up a fight about it. Um, yeah, I mean, they got to know that it's coming. You know, the Bills got to know that Stephon Diggs um, tends to be mercurial for lack of a better word anyway, which is why he's no longer a Viking. You don't think that if he has a good year this year, he's going to come back wanting more money? they got to understand that. If they're going to fight that, then that's bad on them for giving up all those assets to get them. Clearly, they're not going to. Arizona is going to be the same way. They know Larry Fitzgerald's got maybe one year left. They've got uh, a young quarterback. They want to throw the ball a ton. Um, So for them, when they establish their budget – their budget might have a $20 million wide receiver in it. I, in terms of the bills, Paul, because he's got four years left and because this is a big year for Josh Allen, there's no question Brandon Bean is looking at this as the year for Josh Allen. If, he, if Josh Allen takes the next step forward, he's going to be a $35 million quarterback next year. If he doesn't, 
that's why you don't sign Stefan Diggs. Right yeah. Now. Well, there's no yeah. If he doesn't, they're starting to figure out what plan, what their next plan is after this season. And we don't want a twenty-one million dollar wide receiver in the fold if we've got to start over a quarterback. And Stefan Diggs shouldn't want that either. He shouldn't want that. Yeah. You think he wants he, to play he with a rookie? Smart enough to say, let's let's make sure this this quarterback situation is solidified before I I plant my seeds here. Uh, I, it's there's got to be a one year grace period for both of those players to make sure that it, that there's an offensive fit and everything. And, and look, they're making good coin right now. They're just not making top coin. But make sure the system is the is a right fit before you go in and lock yourself in. All right, let's talk about the team that had the best overall performance. Uh, they won the off season last year. It seemed. <laughs> Uh, and they look like crazy. They look like they've won it again, the Cleveland Browns. But can they win on the field? But let's talk about what the Browns did, Mike. Do you, is it? Do you look like, like you win big when you lose so bad, Kevin? <laughs> well, I'm just saying. Going last off season, everybody was all about the Browns, right? Um, they they with all the additions uh, with Mayfield. Yeah, Beckham. Right, yeah. you, you get Beckham, uh, you get all the commercials with Baker Mayfield that ended up being making me nauseous towards the end because they were terrible. Um, not the commercials. They like, were the fourth highest Super Bowl odds at the start of the year. Fourth. Yes. Now they went out. They went out. They got Hooper. Uh, you know, they signed the tight end from the Atlanta Falcons and made many other moves that people are uh, just, including you, Mike, saying, "Hey, the Browns, they did it." They did. They were paid slightly, which you have to do in free agency, and you have to do in Cleveland. I mean, we live in Buffalo. You know how that works. There's gonna, you're going to have to toss an extra million to get somebody to come here. That's just life. Um, but they didn't go crazy. We've seen Cleveland go crazy with $60 million to work with in the past. They didn't do it this year. At least they haven't yet. Here, here's, the, here's the reason I like the moves. Jack Conklin's sneaky, sneaky good. I, I thought there was going to be so much interest in him, and I think there was, that his price was going to be $16 million. They got him at about $14 million a year. Uh, it's, it's slightly front-loaded, which, again, I like that as well. So there's He's a an Ohio guy, too, Mike. Exactly. I wonder if that had something to do with it. Exactly. Uh, but that's a sneaky good get for, for Baker Mayfield's line there. They still need a left tackle, though. That, that fixes the right side to some degree, but they still need a left tackle. But here's the thing. They've, in signing Austin Hooper, they've, they've basically put a nail in, in former first-rounder David Njoku, who has some talent. It, it kind of feels Eric Ebron-ish. Uh, the time just just lapsed in Detroit with Ebron. He goes to India, has a nice season. Uh, you know, not a great season, but a nice season. It just seems like a change of scenery is necessary for Njoku. And who needs a, wide, a, a tight end right now? The Redskins. <laughs> they just lost two. They lost Jordan Reed to essential retirement, and, and Vernon Davis is the same. Uh, Trent Williams is on the trade block. He's been on the trade block for two and a half years now. The... Cleveland Browns need to address that left tackle situation. To me, that's a that's a perfect marriage right there. Uh, and Joe and some picks for Trent Williams to fix that left side. So I, I'm not only giving Cleveland credit for what they have done, but I'm giving Cleveland credit for what I think of what's about to come. And if you put these positions together, tight end, right tackle, left tackle, um, and a couple of defensive pieces as well, and not only that, guys, but the pieces they didn't sign. They didn't give Eric Murray stupid money. They didn't give Joe Schobert stupid money. They let Jacksonville do that. Uh, so they, they've done a lot of made us. They've got analytical people all over that front office now. Smart young analytical. You can see it in the way they're treating this offseason to, to this point. And like I said, I do think there's probably one or two moves to come that are going to make them just better. Now, if, if Baker Mayfield's the X factor, they also kind of address that, guys. I really like the Case Keenum signing. Not only as a as a nice veteran model for Baker to Baker to work with, but if the wheels fall off on Baker, and some people think it might, 
Uh, he's just a he's a boomer bust kind of guy. Keenum's a pretty nice, solid, static, stable guy to throw into this lineup right now and, and move forward at least for a year, year and a half. So that's a good get as well. I don't I don't disagree on the Case Keenum situation with the Cleveland Browns, and you know it. It, it is a move I thought they had to make. You had to bring in another option if Baker keeps uh, missing throws, throwing interceptions. Um, it, you're right. It is boomer bust. And, hey, it, it Baker Mayfield, um, he's got the – I love his mindset. You know, he's cocky, right? I mean, I think you need that uh, in, in, a, in a quarterback to go out there and win. There's got to be a, a certain uh, belief. Maybe he's over self-confident. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out this year uh, to see how it goes for Baker Mayfield. But there's more pressure on him now because there's a guy behind him who's gone to an NFC championship uh, before in Case yeah. Keenum. So we'll see about that. With, with this coach. With right. this head coach. Right. So that, that'll, be, that'll be interesting. Uh, let's talk about the Colts and what the Colts have done. I mean, they've basically... Uh, they've gone all in with Phil Rivers here as their quarterback, and you know you got to like the addition of Buckner, but they paid him a lot of money, Mike. A lot of money, and they gave up the number thirteen pick, which concerns me the most because that's the signal that they truly are all in on this year specifically, and we just don't see that work in football. <laughs> you just, you just can't build a dream team in one off season and 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 hope it works in the next couple of months, and then if it doesn't work, you're SOL for 2021, which it's not looking great. I, you're, you're putting all your eggs in Phillip Rivers' basket. I don't think there's a lot of people that think he's got what it takes to take a team all the way right now from a physical standpoint. Um, and he certainly never did that as a member of the Chargers, even if he had plenty of weapons to work with. And, and that's the, the other point to make here. In, in forfeiting that number 13 pick, you're, you're, you're somewhat forfeiting your chance to bring in that top weapon. Now, they can do it in the second round. There's, it seems to be a deep enough draft where they can go and get that player. And, and unless they're thinking Robbie Anderson's uh, you know, on the precipice of signing there, I, I don't know where you go and get that weapon. Because T.Y. Hilton can't stay healthy. Uh, they, they do have a couple of young kids who could take that next step forward. They, they let Eric Ebron walk, so it's going to be Jack Doyle out of the tight end box, which is, you know, there are worse options. I just don't see that complete package for Phillip Rivers to work with outside of the running game. This might be a, a run-heavy or running back wide receiver-heavy offense, meaning, you know, Hines and Mack may, may be the, the, the weapons that Phillip River uses. This is going to be a dink-and-dunk system is what I'm talking about versus, you know, sending T.Y. Hilton on go routes and hoping Phillip River's arm can hold up. Uh, maybe they're just they're going to take the Tom Brady model of where we just got to get guys open on six-yard routes all season and control the ball and slow things down. I just don't see an open air attack offense being put together in Indy for a one-year run here. You know, it's it's interesting, Paul. It kind of, this also says to me where they think the quarterback class is coming out this year. When they had the 13th pick, uh, you had Brissett um, and the option of going all in or, hey, let's draft a quarterback here and develop that quarterback under Frank Reich. Uh, that, that, to me, says they don't. They probably don't think they can get Tua, um, uh, you know, one of the top two quarterbacks, Burrow and, and Tongaloa. Um, and it t- tells me that they don't think uh, Herbert's uh, uh, much there or anything else. Well, it also tells me that they came to the realization of what Jacoby Brissett is, and he's just not good enough. He, he's okay, 
um, but he's not going to elevate your team. And that's why you try to go get a Phillip Rivers, because you're hoping that he still can elevate a team. And, you know, Mike, you didn't mention, or maybe you did, but you glossed over it. They have maybe the best offensive line in the league that allows you to do a lot of things. And it allows you to make guys who may not appear to be great dynamic players be a lot better if your quarterback gets more time to throw. So to me, I, 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 I like what the Colts did. Uh, you know, I mean, I can't tell you, you know, you, you can, you can reason yourself one way or the other that Phillip rivers took a major step back or that he really didn't. The interceptions were more him trying to make plays. Um, you know, he had a bad line in front of him. I, I like this. This is an all-in move. I think we want our teams to be more like that. When you want a team that knows it's in its window with its offensive line and the draft assets that they've used to try to get a quarterback who can get them over the hump. I don't think everybody thought Brissett was going to be an over-the-hump guy. And then at 34, I think we've all come to the conclusion that you're going to get a starting caliber wide receiver at the 34th pick. So I like a lot of what they did here, and I don't mind at all being all in. And if you can get a dynamic defensive lineman, which a lot of people think Buckner is, um, for a first-round pick that what were you going to use it on anyway, maybe too high for the wide receiver that you felt like you needed. I thought the GM Chris Bauer did a nice job of understanding his assets. All right. Good thoughts there. Let's talk about the bears. Oh, the bears. Um, We've talked about Trubisky before and this trade for Nick Foles is not a vote of confidence for Mitch Trubisky. I don't even know if I want to start on this one. Maybe let's have Paul start on the Bears. Okay. I don't want to go off on a 14-minute rant. Um, all right. Well, we, yeah, we don't want Mike to go 14 minutes. I'll go like a minute and a half here. Uh, it, it, again, I, I like teams that see, look in the mirror and see who they are. And, and yeah, there's a lot of invested in Trubisky. There's a lot of reputations on the line with Trubisky. But they clearly looked at him and said he's not good enough. He's not good. Could he be good enough? Maybe, but he's not good enough now. We need to get something either to push him to be the guy that we think he can be, that we've seen flashes of, or have a plan B if those ne- those flashes never happen. Um, I think there's far too many teams that sometimes live too long on guys that the whole world knows aren't good enough, particularly a quarterback because they're worried about how it looks or what the perception will be or what their reputation hit might be. Um, Nagy isn't doing any of that now. Now, you could argue, and I would argue, that that Foles is living off of a six-game stretch in Philly and has never really been very much very good beyond that, but he's certainly an upgrade over what they had, and he might exactly be the right guy because he's familiar with the system to, to find out whether Trubisky it's, uh, is good enough or not. Okay, that's the optimist take. <laughs> we'll play. We'll play Devil Angel here, I guess. Um, I, I'm not going to kill him too bad. It's just you know, every offseason you got to kind of find a villain. Uh, you know, somebody who you just don't agree with. Uh, bringing in Nick Foles because the coaching staff is is comfortable with Nick Foles isn't a good enough reason to bring Nick Foles in for how in the way that they brought him in, in my opinion, and especially with the with the other quarterback options that were available. It, it, Look at you talked about windows with the Colts. This is the Cleo Mack window right now. You paid heaven and hell plus cash to get Cleo Mack here and solidify the defensive line, which great. That's the right thing to do. Except if your offense isn't available during Cleo Mack's tenure, 
then what the hell did you do it for anyway? So is Nick Foles going to come in and immediately take this team to the next level? I just can't see it. I just can't see it. And not, I'm not saying that Cam Newton or Andy Dalton could have, could have done that much better, but I have more faith in those two players versus Nick Foles is my point. Nick Foles just seems to be an up-and-down kind of player. That's, that's his life. He's a journeyman. Um, and he's going to hit lightning into the bottle every couple of years. Maybe that's what they're hoping for. But they're, they, they paid a lot from a draft compensation standpoint to bring in Nick Foles to compete with Mitchell Trubisky. That's, that's, all, that's all we know right now. We don't know who the starting quarterback is. We know that he's here to compete with Mitchell Trubisky. And that's fine. It's, I'm not going to crush it too much. I can't believe somebody bailed Jacksonville out here. Um, and they clearly did. Jacksonville moved all the way down to the bottom of the quarterback spending list because of this, incredibly. Um, but that's fine. But they also did other things wrong. I mean, we haven't even mentioned the Jimmy Graham contract. This is the, this is the greatest story in free agency. And I know Tom Brady signed a free agent contract. This is the greatest <laughs> story ever. Jimmy Graham got a no-trade clause, guys. Oh. A no-trade. There are like three quarterbacks in the history of football that have a no-trade clause. But Jimmy Graham got one this year yeah. on $9 million guaranteed. With the Chicago Bears, uh, I, GMs across the league have to be laughing their asses off after at this. First of all, you gave them more guaranteed money than he was going to get in Green Bay this year, and then you tagged a clause on it just to make sure none of us can go and steal them away from you. It's the it's the funniest it's the funniest story we have going right now, and the fact that it's the Bears with this this Nick Foles situation as well is just it's just a cherry on the Sunday for me, but. Um, Call me a skeptic I, here, Mike. Mike, let me jump in here. I, yeah. I, if you trade for Nick Foles, I think you have bigger plans than pushing Mitch Trubisky on here. I just, it doesn't make sense to me to bring him in to do all they did to bring in that money for a backup quarterback. That doesn't make uh, sense to me. Now, it can work out if Trubisky gets pushed and outperforms him. Uh, the Graham one, yeah, I totally get. I mean, I thought Jimmy Graham was going to make six million bucks. This year, oh, Max, right? Max. I just the nine million. Just uh, I, I don't know. Maybe he's going to commute from uh, Green Bay to Chicago. What's it? An hour and a half? It's not, <laughs> not incredibly long. I, I don't know. That does the no trade part doesn't make sense on that with the Bears. Basically, they they put themselves up there for criticism if this stuff doesn't work out um, in a very tough division. By the way, uh, we should yes. add, right? I mean, yes. yes. Are they better than Green Bay, Minnesota, right now? No. no, I don't think so. No, yeah. I don't think so either. So that'll be interesting. Obviously, they believe they're better uh, with these moves. The Bears. Is Trubisky tradable, guys? Not, no, not right now. Uh, for for nothing, for a fifth-round draft pick. Right? I think they can get more than that. I think they can get more than that. Um, I'm trying to think of a team. Uh, Denver? I'm just trying to think of a team that would be – Looking at a quarterback and and a better option that they have or a potential yeah, option. Yeah, but, but Kevin, but Kevin, look what we're look, look at the quarterback market. You, you got guys yeah. sitting on the sidelines that can't find say, jobs. With, there's a glut of there's a glut of bodies. I, I didn't say a glut of great ones. There's a glut of bodies at the quarterback <laughs> position. So a guy like a guy, there's nobody giving you anything for a Mitch Trubisky right now because clearly the Bears don't even aren't even sure he's the guy. And the difference between signing a Cam Newton, Mike, and a Nick Foles is you're still holding hope out that Trubisky can become the guy that you saw flashes of two years ago and that you think you drafted. And trade it up to draft. If you bring a Cam Newton in, you're basically saying we're done with this guy. Um, where Foles isn't quite that kind of player. Is this a Josh Rosen situation, Kevin? 
Ooh, you know what? It very well could be a Josh Rosen situation. That's interesting. Um, I think everybody's forgotten about Josh Rosen, right? <laughs> yeah, he's the backup quarterback in Miami right now. <laughs> yeah, right now. Yeah, but for how long, right? For how yeah, long? I, I, I don't expect Miami to draft a quarterback this year. So I you think don't? No, I don't. I, the, the way that I the way that I break down their Did you see two of throwing last night? I, looks good. But yeah. I don't think he's going to be there. I don't think he's going to be there for Miami. So are you taking Justin Herbert or are you waiting? I think I think if they're in love with Tua, uh, they're they're making the trade they need to make to go get him. Mm-hmm. You, are you going to go through another year with with Fitz and Rosen? And, I, and, and I do think that. I do think. Boy, that. I'd be surprised. I think Miami is an absolute lock quarterback spot. I wanted to say one thing about hope, guys. I had a boss used to say, "Hey, you can hope in one hand and you can uh, uh, puke in the other." Tell me which one fills up first, okay? He didn't use puke. Uh, <laughs> anyway, hope's a very, uh, very precarious thing. Um, let's uh, let's talk about. Uh, well, real quick, you mentioned the Dolphins, Dolphins and Lions. You have uh, Patriot coaches there. They went out and signed expats, um, and I don't mean people who used to be Americans, expatriates. Uh, with that, whom, by the way, Patriots players that have left the Patriots. Uh, and maybe we throw Brady in this. They haven't done a whole lot. It's like lot. the witness protection pl- program. <laughs> well, <they> just <laughs> <laughs> you never hear from him again. Very nice, Paul. Correct. <laughs> yes. It's crazy, though. But if you think about it, not, not only the number of players that left New England to go to these teams, the Lions and the, and the Dolphins, but if you think about it, these guys haven't been paid yet. New England doesn't pay. So not only do you have to go, are you trying to go and get these players, but you have to overpay for them. And then the fact that you've overpaid for them likely factors into the fa- into them not going out and contributing at a high level. It, it, it's sort of like the kid who never has candy, right? The parents are super strict and they don't let him have candy. And then it, the kid gets to college and it becomes a diabetic in about a day and a half. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't just go from one extreme to the other and expect it to work out. And that's what these expatriates players essentially are going through. And I, I just... I think it's a bad move. Now, the Dolphins haven't done it to the, to the same degree that the Lions have. I mean, if you think about last offseason with Trey Flowers, right, that Trey Flowers is who he is. That's just life. He's not worth five years, 90 million. And New England certainly knew that. But I just I don't have a lot of faith in these two teams loading up on expatriates players as the new as their new core and expecting it to work out. It's just the track record hasn't been good. It, back to where we started this conversation, Tom Brady made a lot of guys look better than they really were. Yeah. All right, let's yep. finish the conversation on quarterbacks. Um, this is interesting on the quarterbacks' money spent for starting quarterback and backup quarterback. And the number one team with the most money spent is uh, committed this year is the Indianapolis Colts with Phillip Rivers at $25 million and Jacoby Brissett at $15 million. That's a lot of money in the quarterback position, Mike. Yeah, nothing says all in like that right there. I mean, that's – and and the fact that Rivers isn't signed past 2020 tells you everything – and neither is Brissett, by the way, tells you everything you need to know. So um, I'd be shocked if this – look, I was shocked they kept Brissett, I guess is the point I want to make. Are you guys shocked by that? Yes. Um, um, I'm not. Yes. I, I'm not. You now, know, I, 
I, I think that you know he, he he I think he's a backup. He's a good backup. That's yeah. what he is, and and that's what he'll be. I, I guess uh, okay. they kept him because uh, you know Rivers' age. If it doesn't work out, they got a guy who knows the system that can go in there uh, and and perform uh, decent. So I guess I get that. The second team overall in spending it only has one quarterback, and that's Russ Wilson, the thirty-five million bucks. But that is worth it. He's worth every penny of it, Mike. He is worth it, but you, you got to have a backup. I understand that he has been knock on wood ridiculously durable in his career. Somehow he's been unbelievably durable. Um, but you got to get a viable backup in here. Every team, every team who's contending needs a viable backup. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have this discussion today is, is Seattle a sneaky, a sneaky dark horse place for, for one of these quarterbacks we've been talking about. What, what if you can get James Winston at $4 million to back up Russell Wilson? Oh boy. That's, you know, I don't know what James Winston is thinking right now. If, if yeah. it's me, if I'm James Winston's agent, I I'm sending him to Jacksonville or someplace where three weeks into the season, the quote unquote anointed starter shows his real colors can't play. And James gets his chance to resurrect his career. He goes to Seattle. He knows there's almost, there's a likelihood he takes zero snaps, right? How, how does that help him? Or he goes to Seattle on a one-year deal yep. and learns under Russell Wilson, maybe plays and comes in and plays great and gets a bigger contract a year from now. If I'm Jameis Winston, I'm only signing a one-year deal wherever I go. Um, I think he's only being offered a one-year deal. Yeah, well, yeah, but <laughs> I, I look at it like uh, Mariota going to the Raiders, right? Yep. Uh, I think it's kind of a similar situation. From And by the way, I love Derek Carr's uh, – statement that he put out um i like Derek carr i think he's going to be a, a good quarterback um I, yeah but, but what is what is winston gain kevin by going it is winston going to be anywhere near the top of the market next year if he doesn't play after a year in seattle no like there's there's four more quarterbacks coming in the draft this year this glut of quarterbacks is going to continue so to me winston's got to go somewhere where he has a chance to potentially get on the field. I, I look at it th- perhaps this way. If, I, if For Winston, he gets a chance to, and he won't look at it this way, but step back, watch stuff yes. happen, learn something from uh, the sideline instead of having to be in there just uh, you know out there throwing howitzers all over the place and getting picked so, off. The, the- the honest, this is the honest reason I did this this little table here, guys, with QB1, QB2. Not so much for the money. I mean, the money's interesting, and I'll tweet this out. But it's where do the rest of these pieces fit in, right? This is a, this is an updated look at who the backup quarterbacks should be for every single team. And I pulled this information from RLADS, by the way, which you aren't, if you aren't using RLADS for depth chart information, you're doing it wrong. Um, this is pr- pretty much up to the date uh, with the signings yesterday, even including Kyle Allen going to Washington, who I do think will – compete for that starting role, yes. by the way, guys. I agree. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, they don't know what they have. And if you're you're a former Carolina player who's joining Ron Rivera's system, you're going to have a lot of a, a lot of opportunity this offseason to make a name for yourself. Do you know where Jameis Winston uh, would be a great fit? Sorry to interrupt, yeah. Mike. Um, Go ahead. Uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, right? Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, Big Ben looks more and more like UConn Cornelius every day. <laughs> and, you know, he's coming off the elbow injury. He's up there. Uh, Mason Rudolph just uh, it's, can they bring him back? Can, can they bring, bring back Mason Rudolph from a from an from a drama standpoint and just from a football standpoint? 
his man well, football wise, he, football wise, he wasn't very good. That's right. Uh, he was a high draft pick. Again, we know those guys get lots of chances. Um, but but yeah, again, that's back to the Jameis Winston. What's the likelihood of Roethlisberger playing sixteen games? Um, why is Jameis Winston trying hard to get in this, to get to the Chargers? I mean, any of us in Buffalo know what you're going to get out of Tyrod Taylor. And after about four weeks, you're going to go, this isn't good enough. Yeah. So why isn't he trying to do that? I I think the Chargers and the Jaguars are are saying thanks, but no thanks to all of these quarterbacks, including Andy Dalton and Cam Newton. I think think those are two teams that absolutely want to be at the bottom right now, truthfully. Well, then that's the answer. Yeah. And uh, and that's why I think – a veteran backup position like Kevin and I are pining for is going to be where these guys land. For instance, Andy Dalton, you know where I think he lands? Tennessee. I think he is the perfect veteran backup to Ryan Tannehill. And by the way, they should be doing, they should pay for a backup quarterback because they should be confident that Ryan Tannehill can do this for another season. They shouldn't be. No, I know they, I know they paid with confidence, but from a football standpoint, we have not seen two back to back years of Ryan Tannehill being solid. Here's a, here's a couple of uh, rather than go down the, the whole thing here due to time's sake, yeah. just a couple of interesting interesting teams here. Let's look at the defending Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. They're spending five point seven million on quarterbacks because Patrick Mahomes is still on his rookie deal. Chad Henney is one point six million. Uh, Baltimore, right? Another contender there. Baltimore, four point three million dollars uh they're both below where the bills are at 7.2 we mentioned houston and deshaun watson earlier and they got aj mccarron who's making more aj mccarron's making more than deshaun watson mccarron's got four million deshaun watson is aj mccarron is he's putting himself in chase daniel conversation that's unbelievable he is he is. Not only you know, does he have a beautiful wife, but he's making ridiculous backup quarterback money. Just ridiculous. You know what, Mike? I look at this list, and and about halfway down, it's shy of halfway down, you go from Tom Brady at $25 million yeah. to Mitch Trubisky at seven point two, And I almost feel like when you do this list, you need to bold every quarterback on a rookie contract. Um, cause that's oh, yeah. what it is. It, that's, that's how you go from 27 to 5 million, uh, you know, in that, well, essentially you're going from, you're going from Bridgewater's 21 million, and then you don't have another quarterback in double figures because of the rookie contracts. And that's why this can look a little odd and a bit skewed is because you got, as long as you got a guy like Mahomes on a rookie contract, you're, you're going to be at the bottom of this list. And when he's not, he's going to be at the top. And and how many teams are thinking about that as they develop their quarterback plans moving forward? It's it's all about that. So let's let's assume this. I mentioned Dalton to, to Tennessee, but I'm not sure Dalton leaves. I, I'm starting to I'm starting to lean more towards he's he's going to be a good soldier and stick with Cincinnati for this one year and then assess the 2021 market next year. Um, but Cam Newton, that's not going to be the case. I mean, Carolina basically already tweeted goodbye to Cam Newton. <laughs> yes. From the official from the official Twitter account. So he, he's going to get released, in my opinion. Where the heck does Cam Newton fit in this in this table right now? The problem is nobody knows if he's healthy, and in the current situation that we're under, no one's going to know that he's healthy because they can't get him in front of a doctor. Um, I think Cam Newton, let's assume the training camp's open on time. Cam Newton is unsigned going into training camp. 
and a team is waiting to see what its situation looks like or whether there's an injury. Because the problem with Cam Newton is you think Cam Newton's going to be a good soldier? I, I mean, I don't know Cam Newton. Is he even a good soldier being somebody's backup? The perception is out there that he would not be. Now, maybe that's wrong. Maybe he'll understand his role and settle into that. But if you bring Cam Newton in, you're essentially bringing him in, and he isn't going to do anything other than do his best to become your starter. And you better understand that if you're going to bring him onto your roster. So to me, he's got to wait for a quasi-starting opportunity to open up. Is it, is it possible he sits 2020 out? Yes. I, I think so too, guys. Yeah. I really think so. And you know why he does it? <laughs> and I know it's crazy. But you got to let Washington cleanse their Dwayne Haskins situation. And then if, if, if Cam Newton is sitting there with Ron Rivera and Kyle Allen in a room, Cam Newton's the best quarterback on that roster if, he's, if he takes an if entire year to get himself right. Right. Take 2020, get healthy, stay in communication with Ron Rivera, and, and make sure that the plans are still, you know, as we discussed it here. I think there's a very good possibility that he just needs to wait out the Alex Smith contract and Dwayne Haskins and then there would be a perfect fit for him in Washington. I also feel that, we, that we're thinking about Cam Newton as the guy from 2015 or 16 that won a Super Bowl, and he's been basically a shell of that quarterback since then. That's I fair. think that's something that we all have to get out of our mind, like, oh, they're good, Cam Newton. you know. And, and to be honest with you, I thought his reaction to what happened in Carolina was, was babyish on his part. Come on, man. Get, get with it. Look how the league <laughs> is working. You just brought a brand-new coach in with a brand-new system. You are unreal reliable you are high maintenance um you're really surprised that they that they treated you that badly on your way out of town come on we're gonna have to grow up two things paul he didn't win the super bowl but they went to the super bowl secondly i love how you integrated my kids favorite uh uh, segment with randy moss the come on man uh segment I think we're running too long here, Kevin. Paul's getting grouchy. I agree. We I'm are, not grouchy. Listen, I'm just fired up. No, we are we are going to wrap it up uh, on, on that note with uh, Paul firing a, a great last shot there. But do want to remind everybody to check out the SpotTrack.com premium section, ad-free experience. So much more you get there. Hey, a lot of things that are happening every hour in the National Football League. Updated things and Mike. Uh, and Scott are on top of it at SpotTrack.com. Also want to mention TheAthletic.com. Uh, Mary in the numbers with some great uh, content there, written content, long-form written content to TheAthletic.com, uh, the subscription-based sports site. Hey, if you value good sports journalism, TheAthletic.com. It's just a few bucks a month, and we're saving you 40% off when you go to uh, theathletic.com slash spot track 40 off. That's S P O T R A C 40 off until next week. I'm Kevin Sylvester for Paul Peck and Mike Janetti. Thanks for listening to the spot track podcast.